Hello, everyone, and welcome to Yesterday's Heroes, episode 12, Prince Claw. In the summer of 1967, James Benavidi, aka Starbolt, drowned while on a Good Samaritan's mission. Not long after the funeral, Shannon began looking for someone to fill the vacant slot on the GSA's roster. Now, his first choice was David Bryce, aka Captain Gadget, who had worked closely with the GSA and had furnished gadgets for the Crusader for some time. That was, of course, until it came to the attention of the GSA higher-ups that Bryce was gay. And not only that, but he had been in a secret relationship with Starbolt. Derek then vetoed the promotion and expelled Bryce from the GSA. After this internal scandal, the vacancy remained. And the next candidate put forward would be a good Samaritan for the next five years. Sergeant Wilmer Thomas III, a.k.a. Prince Claw, the Man-Lion. He was also the first black superhero. Will Thomas, in all honesty, deserves his own podcast series. I just didn't feel particularly qualified to make it. Nevertheless, I would heartily recommend that all of you who are interested in his story check out Amanda Greenfield's book, No Black Heroes, for a more in-depth look at Thomas's life and career. Will Thomas was born on March 15th, 1930, in Kansas City, Missouri. He and his three siblings were raised by his aunt Corinne and his uncle Omar after his parents suffered a fatal car accident. The Thomas family had a long tradition of military service stretching back to the Civil War, and when young Will Thomas III came of age, he joined the U.S. Marine Corps and was promptly shipped off to the Korean Peninsula. And while he had initially intended to become a lawyer, much like his uncle, a grenade thrown by an anonymous PLA soldier would drastically alter the trajectory of his life. And this new trajectory went directly through the Diomedes Program colored section. As mentioned all the way back in episode four, while President Truman had desegregated the armed forces, the Diomedes programs were still segregated. And thus far, we have focused on the white Diomedes cohort, as they were the ones who got costumes and comic books. Their counterparts in the colored section, however, were not so lucky. And now, let me just preempt some criticism here. I am not saying that the white Diomedes cohort had it easy. I've talked at length about the toll the Diomedes experiments took on the bodies and minds of these men. But we have to be honest with ourselves and admit that just because some have had it hard does not mean that others cannot have it harder. And indeed, whether you're looking at personal testimonies, the lab work, or even archival footage, the rare bits of it that we have, the Diomedes program colored section demonstrably had it worse. Their mortality rate was higher, and the side effects of their superhuman enhancements were worse physically and mentally, as their regimen was effectively an unpolished, rough draft of the regimen their white counterparts would later receive, and we all know how bad that was. Moreover, as much as Dr. Finch would chastise and demean Derek and company, it sounds like he barely regarded the colored section as human beings. And, perhaps most tellingly, the white cohort got to go home. After the program was closed in 1954, the government still wanted to keep an eye on the colored section, wanted to keep them busy, 
keep them under surveillance. So those who survived the colored section, that is Will Thomas and five others, were given field work as early as 1955. Thomas was lucky, if you can call it that, because his field work was confined to the continental United States. The other surviving subjects, Leslie Maybach, Marvin West, Lionel Hooper, Wesley Peters, and Antonio Rivera, were deployed on covert missions in Vietnam. And these five men would perish during their long and entirely unrecognized service. Full details of these missions are still opaque and pending several Freedom of Information Act requests, but they deserve recognition all the same. Now, as previously mentioned, Will Thomas was given field work within the United States, and for much of his career, he acted as a silent partner for America's superheroes. He was, for example, instrumental in uncovering the workings of Octopus, and while relegated officially to the role of the Silver Eagle's driver as to why he needed a car, who knows, but as his driver, Will Thomas and Derek Green actually became pretty solid friends. And in fact, Thomas was the best man at April and Derek's wedding. He was also on hand, unfortunately, for the Battle of Savannah, where he witnessed the death of Titus Olson. So after a long but quiet career as the GSA's unsung hero, Will Thomas finally stepped into the public eye in the guise of Prince Claw, the Man Lion. And in a televised ceremony in early 1968, he was officially deputized by the Silver Eagle. His fictional counterpart was a prince of Abyssinia who came to America to study chemistry, where he created an elixir that gave him super strength and enhanced senses. Although as fun as that premise is, I gotta say, his series isn't um, isn't Rockbridge Comics' best work, but hey, that's just my opinion. And speaking of opinions, they were very mixed at the elevation of Thomas to superhero status. Some praised him as a pioneer for racial equality. Others derided him as, well, a sellout for joining up with an organization that was, to put it diplomatically, quite racist. And Still others pitched a fit at the very idea of a black superhero. Now, Thomas, it should be said, much like Derek, was a committed civil servant with a very defined personal code of ethics and one who did his utmost to behave in an upright manner both on and off camera. Nonetheless, every mistake he made was scrutinized, magnified, and politicized. And while Thomas publicly said less about race than any other superhero, his public existence remained a lightning rod for controversy and race-baiting rhetoric. I'd say it was a sign of the times, but sadly we do the same today. Now, beyond the court of public opinion, Thomas had his work cut out for him. Not only was he consistently at odds with his fellow superheroes, especially the Human Shield and the Crusaders, but also with Minuteman and even Blue Jay, but he was also expected to handle all capital B black issues on his own, meaning he was stretched thin with this big and vaguely defined mandate and often left out in the wind. As alluded to earlier, Thomas avoided public engagement with the civil rights movement, accepting some brief remarks he made mourning the death of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. But his one real political crusade was more personal in nature and involved official recognition for the late Diomedes V. 
Ultimately, this would only succeed in securing Thomas a spot on Richard Nixon's enemies list, and Nixon began to put pressure on the GSA to censure Thomas. And that opportunity came in late 1973 when Thomas murdered Nelson Turner. Nelson Turner had been a Klan enforcer who, after receiving some octopus gear, robbed a couple of banks and found himself in prison. Although he served a rather short sentence and was released for, um, what was it, good behavior. Now, having seen Turner's brutality during his field work, Thomas sought to confront him, only he was not sanctioned to do so. So later, an off-duty Thomas confronted Turner outside his residence in Georgia and put that creep's head through a concrete wall. Now, it's not nice to dance on someone's grave, but this Turner guy was a Klansman, a criminal, and a sex offender. So forgive me for not condemning Wilmer Thomas here, but condemned he was. Thomas was arrested and charged with first-degree murder. Now, Derek attempted to intervene on his friend's behalf over the collective outcry of the GSA and only desisted following a phone call from President Nixon who told him basically that either Thomas goes to jail or the GSA gets dissolved. And so Wilmer Thomas was sentenced to 25 to life, which he spent quietly in a Georgia prison. He was later pardoned by President Clinton in 1994, which, as you can imagine, sparked a bit of controversy. But I will leave it there for now and let you know that next time we will officially bring this story to its end. Until then, I hope you enjoyed the program and thank you for listening. <laughs>